0: Well, oh, yeah. thank you, uh, choir orchestra and band you brought a Bible. say Amen and uh, let me invite you to open it to Luke's gospel chapter 10 this morning. If you're visiting with us we've been going verse by verse through Luke's gospel. And right now we find ourselves in Luke's gospel chapter 10 talking on the subject glory movement. You know I heard this week that there are really five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four gospels we find in the scripture. But the fifth gospel is your life lived so that others might see the glory of Jesus Christ. And what an awesome challenge that is that we would live in such a way that our lives would be a gospel. So Luke chapter 10 this morning, we're going to talk about a glory movement, a movement in which the gospel moves outside the four walls of the church and into the community. I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Luke's gospel chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 1. You've got it there. Say yes. And uh, the Bible says after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. And whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, last week I preached on that, but 10 through 16 is where we we'll are focused. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And I say to you, it'd be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. What do you, Chorazin? What do you, Bethsaida? For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes." But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and pray now that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. And Father, as we look at this great missionary service that you have called these 70 in the text to, but you've also called all of us who know you personally into this gospel ministry, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn how to respond when we are rejected. And Father, I pray for those in the building this morning, perhaps they have shared the gospel in the past, but they faced some kind of rejection, and as a result, they have stopped uh, sharing. God, I pray that you would encourage them through your word today that they would continue to get out and share the gospel with those that they work with, those they live with, those they see uh, on a weekend-weekend basis. God, we want to be faithful to this message of the gospel. And we thank you this morning and pray that you'd speak to hearts, drawing people to salvation for your namesake and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said amen, and you can be seated. Well, Jesus sent the 70 on mission to declare that the kingdom of God was near. You know, an unfortunate reality of life in a fallen world includes the rejection of God's message concerning Jesus. Let's face it, not everybody's fired up about the fact that they are sinners walking a path that leads to destruction. And some are equally as angry that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, and they willfully choose to reject him as king over the universe as well as king over their hearts. You know, there are those in our current culture who have been so enraged at the thought of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as payment for their sin that they act out in sheer ignorance. There's an artist by the name of Andre Serrano who has a piece of work where a crucifix upon it, uh, upon that crucifix, there's a figure of Christ hanging, and the piece of art has that figurine uh, submerged in the artist's urine. You know, it depicts... What the artist inwardly thinks about the Lord Jesus Christ, a vile rejection. And we even see an increasing hatred toward the gospel message of Jesus and a steadfast rejection of the biblical principles of God's divine judgment and, namely, his wrath. You know, sadly, uh, the idea of God's impending judgment upon those who reject him is even being pushed out by those in modern-day pulpits. You know, listening to a couple of prominent preachers of our day this past week, I heard them tell about how they don't preach on God's wrath and they do not preach on sin. Uh, They want to be uplifting, they said. They want to focus on the love of God and the hope that we have in the Lord. And don't get me wrong, there's love and there is definitely hope. But the problem is that a preacher of the Scripture uh, cannot cherry pick the Word of God and determine which themes they are going to proclaim and which themes they are going to absolutely ignore. In fact, it's amazing to think the amount of Scripture you would have to avoid if you were not going to preach on the wrath of God or on the subject of sin. So not only is the fullness of the gospel being rejected by unbelievers in our culture, but it's also being avoided by many preachers in our culture. The message is being rejected both outside of the church as well as inside of the church. Jesus knew that the message of the 70 would be utterly rejected, so he wanted to prepare them. And note what Jesus says in verse 10 of your Bible. Look at it with me. He says, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, and they stop there notice the word receive. It's a term of hospitality. Jesus is saying that there will be some cities which they enter which will show them zero hospitality. They won't open the door to their homes to welcome in Jesus' missionary, nor will they open the door of their hearts to welcome in Jesus' message. Now, we know this to be true also. As we as a fellowship get aggressive at making disciples everywhere, not everybody is going to receive the message of the gospel. In fact, many people will reject it. So the question is, is there a word in the scripture from the Lord about those who reject the message? Or better yet, we could ask it like this. How are we supposed to respond when the gospel message is rejected. Now some of you you have been faithfully sharing the gospel but at some point in time maybe you're in the workplace and you share Jesus and all of a sudden two or three people started ragging you or making you uh, look very small and as a result of that hostility towards you you begin to clam up and kind of hide your light and not shine it as the scripture calls us to do you know every time I think about shining the light you know what song comes to mind it's a song that James always leads us in this little lot of mine. But we're not going to do it. But anyway, so, uh, but it is interesting tune. But there's a call from the scripture for every single one of us to make sure we do not hide the gospel lie, but we share it with those who are around us. So how do we respond when people reject the message? A few ways that I want to share with you from the scripture today. First way you respond is that we cannot fold because of hostility. We can't fold. We can't just, you know, put all of our toys up and go home, all right? Look at verse 10 through 11 again. Whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. You know, it was common practice in those days to wipe the dust of your feet off in plain sight of those whom you were protesting against. In fact, the Jews shook dust from their feet when leaving Gentile territory to symbolize their rejection of the Gentile customs. It was basically a way of saying, we completely disagree with your way of thinking and with your way of living. So they would go into a village and they would share the message. But if it were rejected, they went outside the village, they took their shoes off, and they wiped the dust away from it. You know, I sat with pastors in Africa and heard stories of how they actually did this themselves. They shared of how they had entered villages to declare the message of the gospel, but they were rejected. And oftentimes the rejection was violent, as men of these villages would throw rocks at them and chase them out of the villages with clubs. You know, one pastor told me, uh, we would just take off our shoes and we would dust them in front of the people and then we would move on to the next village. You know, when they dusted their shoes off in front of the people, it served as a signal to those who were sharing the message with that even though they faced great hostility concerning the message, they would have no part of the rejection of the message. They would not fold because of hostility. Now, even though you and I don't rip our shoes off in the streets and cling them together in protest against those who reject, the principle continues to hold true for us today. Just because people reject the message of the gospel of Jesus does not mean we should give in or stop sharing the message. We have to remain steadfastly devoted to the message regardless of a negative response to its content. You know, Paul the Apostle spoke of how they did not fold to hostility in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9. Listen to what he says. He says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Or how about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4? The people came to them and said, y'all going to have to stop talking about this Jesus. But they responded and said, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So because the Lord Jesus so radically changed their lives, even when they faced hostility, they remained faithful in sharing the message with those who were around. You know, the New Testament, Christ followers would not fold because of hostility. This has to be our attitude towards the gospel as well. We cannot fold because someone rejects the message. We are called to share the message. We must be faithful to do so. But then there's a second reality. Whenever we're rejected for sharing the gospel, here's a way that we need to be very careful not to respond. We should not respond vengefully fighting against those who reject us. So in other words, I would say, do not vengefully fight against those who reject you. You know, often when our message is rejected in a vengeful manner, we desire to respond in a vengeful manner. However, this is the opposite of how we should respond. Why is that? Well, because we know that ultimately the Lord will pour out judgment upon those who reject his message of grace. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Notice verse 12 in your Bible. It says, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now, you notice the phrase, in that day, you might want to circle that in your Bible. This is a reference to the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is a day in which God's justice will be revealed from heaven. And in this case, it will be his impending judgment against the cities who had rejected him. You know, in my own personal devotion, I've been reading through uh, the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah actually spoke this past week about the day of the Lord saying this, quote, a day of wrath is that day a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Neither silver nor gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath, and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all of the inhabitants of the earth." And now Jesus says about those who reject him, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for the city that rejects this message. See, the story of Sodom is found in Genesis 19. The Lord had sent two of his angels to Lot who lived in Sodom at the time. Lot welcomed them into his home with great hospitality he displayed towards them. However, the city of Sodom was not hospitable to the messengers of God. In fact, they beat on the front door of Lot's house and demanded that the two messengers come outside. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis nineteen four and 5. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, they surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out here so that we can have sex with them. You know, the actions of the men of Sodom toward God's messengers was disgrace and rejection. And because of their rejection to the messengers, God brought judgment down upon the city of Sodom. Genesis 19, 24 and 25 says, Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah fire and brimstone from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. See, God's wrath was poured out upon the city and completely destroyed the place. Everything that inhabited, every single person, everybody was done away with in a very single moment as the Lord poured out his wrath. And now in our text this morning, Jesus is like, hey, those cities that reject the message, it'll be better in that day for Sodom than it will be for them. See, the day of the Lord is a day in which those who have rejected the message of Christ will stand at the great white throne judgment. Jesus is saying here on that day that the cities which rejected the message of the 70 missionaries in Luke 10 will receive greater condemnation in hell than the city of Sodom. Now, why is that? It's because the cities the 70 were about to enter were going to witness the miracles of the men along with the message of Jesus. And they, in turn, have more information about God to share than those in Sodom had opportunity to hear. And listen closely, because they have more truth revealed to them. They were held more responsible for responding to that truth, but because they would reject a greater amount of truth than those in Sodom, they would receive a greater amount of condemnation in that day, the great and terrible day of the Lord. You know, in 1971, there's a a revivalist preacher by the name of um, Leonard Ravenhill. Published a lot of books. I would recommend them if you've not read any. Leonard Ravenhill published a book, though, entitled Sodom Had No Bible. He crisscrossed the nation, spoke directly to America, and he writes this, and I quote, Sodom had no churches, but we have thousands. Sodom had no Bible, but we have millions. Sodom had no preachers. We have 10,000 plus thousands. Sodom had no Bible schools. We have at least 250 Sodom had no prayer meetings, we have thousands. Sodom had no gospel broadcast. As a nation, we are richly blessed with Christian broadcast. Sodom had no histories of God's judgment to warn it of danger. We have volumes of them. Sodom perished in spite of all of these disadvantages. America today is living only by the mercy of God. The only reason we are not smoking in the fire wrath of a holy God is mercy, prolonged mercy. End quote. You know, Peter writes in 2 Peter 3 and 7. about the day of the Lord in which he says, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now notice from verse 13, as Jesus continues this idea of greater condemnation, he says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you Bethsaida, for if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Now, Chorazin and Besea to received woes of the Lord Jesus. And the word woe is interesting. It carries a mournful undertone. It is this feeling of sorrow and even loss. So there is a sense here that Jesus is already mourning the judgment that the cities would experience because of their willful rejection. You know, one commentator notes, he compared their stubborn rejection to the cities of Tyre and Sidon, which notoriously rejected God and received the condemnation of Israel's most revered prophets. So Jesus is saying, if those cities in the past were able to witness what the cities in the present were able to witness, they would have repented a long time ago. They would have turned from their wickedness to God, and they would have humbled themselves before the Lord. And then verse 15 And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. Now, Jesus calls out the city of Capernaum and promises them not eternal life, which they had falsely assumed they would experience, but rather they would be brought down to eternal death. Now, for a moment, let's carry the idea all the way out. Jesus was saying that the cities in the Old Testament did not have revealed to them the amount of truth which the cities in the New Testament received. Now, watch this. Are y'all listening? Say yes. As a result, the city which had revealed to it the most truth would receive the greater condemnation in the last day. However, how much more truth has been revealed to you and I currently today in 2012 than the cities of Capernaum, Chorazin, Tyre, or Sidon? We know now about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They did not know that in Luke's gospel, chapter 10. We have the word of God mass printed in almost every single language known to man. And the scripture, the Bible, has been the number one selling book of all time for many, many years. We have more truth available to us than at any other time in history. Therefore, it only stands to reason that if someone rejects the message today, that it would be more tolerable for Chorazin, Capernaum, Tyre, and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you who reject him now. As Jesus says in Luke 12 and 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. You know, I've actually thought about this myself in sharing the gospel. You know, every single time someone hears the truth and they willfully reject the gospel, they are accumulating for themselves greater condemnation in the great day of the Lord. And we consider people who come to church week in and week out, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe they come to Concord, maybe they go to a church locally or somewhere else. But every single Sunday they hear the gospel message and the preacher says, repent and place your faith in Christ. And every week they say, no, that's not for me, man. They are piling up more and more judgment for themselves at the day of the Lord. Herein lays the reason that when sharing the message of the gospel, when we are rejected, we should not retaliate with vengeance. Why should we not get all fired up at people who reject the gospel? Because those who reject the message will one day meet God, and God will deal directly with them. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The apostle John had a vision of the coming judgment, and he recorded it in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Listen to what he saw. He says, then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. That is, the Lord has a record of every single one of your deeds as an unbeliever. And when you stand at the great white throne judgment, the records will be open. all of your deeds will be read, all of your sin and word, thought and deed, all of it will be just right there in front of your face. Every time you rejected the gospel message, it'll be written down there. And the Bible teaches that every single deed will be paid for by the wrath of god the bible says and the seas gave up the dead which were in it and death and hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire so jesus held a sense of sorrow listen a sense of sorrow towards those who reject the message that should be our heart as well, towards those who reject the gospel. We don't retaliate with a vengeful attitude. Rather, we actually mourn over the fact that one day they will be met by the wrath of God. And listen, the Bible teaches that the wrath of God is being held back right now by the patience of the Lord. The only reason God's wrath hasn't been unleashed upon people is because he is patiently holding it back. But there'll come a time in the future when the Lord will let go of his wrath and it will consume every single person who has not placed their trust in Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures teach. We don't hear that preached very often, but it's hard to avoid it when you go verse by verse. You have to preach what is in the Bible. You know, they're rejecting hearts. When we consider those who reject Jesus, it ought to bother us, not to a point of anger, unless we are righteously angry over their sin. But it should indeed cause our hearts to mourn, and we should be brokenhearted over those who are lost and without God. You now The Bible teaches that he is patient now, not willing that any should perish, but all would come to everlasting life. It's the heart of Jesus Christ when he says, Woe to you, Chorazin! It's not a picture of this fiery uh, statement of judgment. It is an imagery where Jesus is mourning over them. Woe to you who have rejected. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom than in that day for you. Man, how much greater the condemnation of those who continue to reject the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as payment for their sin today. Piling it up, piling it up, piling it up. And it is only the patience of the Lord which holds it back at this very moment from being unleashed upon your own life. And it should break our heart as a church that people are lost and on their way to hell so we don't sit back and get all fired up because people don't know Jesus. And even to the fact that, um, this is on my mind just because I'm headed there, but going to Africa, we'll be in some places where uh, there's predominantly uh, Muslim Religion. We don't go over there all fired up because those guys are lost and on their way to hell. Their eyes have been blinded by the enemy of this world. The devil's blinded their eyes. They're grabbing hold of something that is not true and they're clinging to it. They have drunk down the doctrine of the demons and they are drunk on it, man. And they need Christ. So we don't go in there like we got a little nanny boo boo, we've got it figured out and you don't attitude. We go in there with broken hearts over men and women who are lost and on the way to hell and the wrath of God's coming man we want to help them escape so we share the gospel it should be our attitudes mournful hurts our feelings people are lost ought to hurt your feelings that dude you work with is lost you shouldn't just sit back and say well he's on his way to hell you ought to love him your neighbors lost you ought to love him. Let him see Christ in you you're the fifth gospel sir You're the fifth gospel, ma'am, let your life live in such a way that they see the love of Christ. We must have a heart for the unchurched, unreached, lost people all over the world. Got to have it. And uh, maybe it gets me a little, um, can I be righteously angry? I will be. But it gets me fired up that we can come to church and it seems like nobody cares. It's like people are going to hell. We just sit around and look at each other. Are you kidding, man? Christ is like, get out there and make disciples. <laughs> Go tell them to flee from the wrath that is to come. That's what John the Baptist did. That's why it kills me when somebody says, we shouldn't preach about the wrath of God. Please. We, we can't not preach about it. When you get saved, that's what you're saved from. So if I'm trying to encourage people to be saved, saved from what? The wrath of God. That's what you ought to get saved from. And you'll want to be saved from that. Let me give you all the final little statement here very quickly. You have a divine appointment to share the gospel with others. So how do we respond? We, we can't fold because of hostility. We're not eventually fighting against those who reject us. Uh, But instead, we're reminded that we have a divine appointment to share the gospel with others. Look at verse 16. The one who listens to you listens to me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Who sent Jesus? God the Father did. So it's like you reject Jesus, you reject God the Father. Now, Jesus saw the missionaries in Luke chapter 10 as his personal ambassadors. They were to speak his message to the cities. They represented the government of God's kingdom. And listen, they represented the king of the government, who is Jesus. Therefore, how the city treats the ambassador is how they treat the government and the leader of that government. And just like the 70, you and I have been divinely appointed to share the gospel with others. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, declaring the gospel message. The Bible says we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Listen, so that... We can proclaim the excellencies of him who saved us. That's this why we're saved. Are y'all listening? We're saved so we can share the gospel. And people are like, well, that's not what I do, man. I don't share the gospel. You do if you're saved. So we're ambassadors of Christ declaring the gospel message. Therefore, regardless of how we're treated, we must continue with our message of God's grace toward the sinner in Christ. We have been divinely appointed for this. And just as I mentioned a moment ago, the gospel saves us. It saves us from hell. Y'all down with that? I'm down with it. Saves you from sin. Y'all down with that, right? I'm down with that. Uh, saves me from myself. Down with that one, too. But ultimately, the gospel saves you from the wrath of God. That's what it saves you from. So, God's wrath is coming, and only those who get in Christ will miss receiving in themselves the wrath of God. Well, how do we miss that? Because Jesus came over 2,000 years ago and the wrath of God was poured out on his son for us in our place. He was buried and resurrected. I mean, I'm down with his death. Are y'all with me on that? It's awesome to know Christ died for our sins, but how much greater to know he got up from the dead. So the resurrected Christ now reaches out and changes people. And what we do is we hold the hand of Jesus and run around with a free hand and try to get as many people to grab hold of Jesus as possible. It's like, well, we share that message, people won't like it. That's what Jesus said. He told us in the text, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. You go out with this message, people aren't going to like it. But some of them will. They'll be saved. And it just so happens that that's how God has chosen to save people, through the sharing message of the gospel and people's response. So you're all up in here this morning, and you're like, good night. Does this dude preach like this everywhere? Everywhere? window? Pretty much. But uh, I will be gone this week, though. And all God's people said, I was testing you. But uh, some of y'all, y'all, listen, please listen to me, and I promise I'm done. But some of you have listened to this message, and you're sitting there, and you're going, I need to escape from the wrath of God, and you need to make a decision to follow Christ. And some of you are about that close from turning your back to Christ, saying, I don't need him. I'll figure this thing out on my own. Listen, you won't, bro. You'll figure out that you're going to face the wrath of God one day. And when you face God's wrath, there's not enough words in your vocabulary that will keep his wrath from being poured out on you. So you need to be saved. Don't reject it today because all you're doing is piling up more condemnation for tomorrow. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts now and...